Now you've probably heard me talk about microdosing before. Nowadays, all sorts of people are microdosing to get more sleep, relax, and boost their mood. And if you're anything like me, and you have a hard time sitting still and chilling out, I think you'll find microdosing to be a game changer. Our show today is sponsored by Microdose Gummies. Microdose Gummies deliver the perfect entry-level dose of THC to help you feel just the right amount of good. Yeah, I mentioned THC, but before you get all worked up over three little letters, know that Microdose Gummies are legal everywhere here in the United States. And these gummies are great for feeling good without getting high from just one microdose. It's like the sweet spot between CBD and THC that gives you the benefits of both. A creative boost, relief from pain and anxiety, and help falling asleep and staying there. And these gummies also taste great because they're made with real fruit. They have awesome flavors, like my favorite, watermelon sorbet and cotton candy crush. Now, Microdose is available nationwide. To learn more about microdosing THC, go to microdose.com and use code MONSTERSAMONGUS to get free shipping and 30% off your first order. Links can be found in the show notes, but again, that's microdose.com and the code MONSTERSAMONGUS. Now, as always, supporting our sponsors supports the show. So thank you for listening, and back to those hometown legends. Good evening and welcome to Monsters Among Us. I'm your guide, Derek Hayes. Oh, how I've missed thee. These past few weeks have flown by for me. But I'm reading everyone's comments. It's clear to me that you missed the show. Well, for those impatient listeners, I have two pieces of great news. First, the wait is nearly over. We return next Thursday, March 30th, with the Season 15 premiere special, Tales of Paranormal Investigation. So hang in there just one more short week. And B, I have a little surprise for you this evening. The previously exclusive portion of your latest Hometown Legends season finale special. So in other words, I'm unlocking that Patreon special for you here this evening. So sit back, relax, dim those lights, and nuke some popcorn. Because it's time for the back half of the Season 14 finale special, Hometown Legends number 14, beginning with Maria in California. But first, a promo from a dear friend of ours. I'm Shannon Grow, and for my weekly podcast, Into the Fray, I collect first-hand encounters with the strange, like these. And it's standing there looking at me, and it is huge and dark and hairy. I thought my dad was the biggest, toughest guy in the world. This thing would tower over my father. He looks at me, and his face changed. His bone structure shifted. His hairline receded. His hair color changed. The guy's face changed right in front of me. It stepped out of the dark and into the light of the fire. My mom saw a dog walking through the house with an upside-down head, and at that point when she told me, I was like, you need to get a priest over to that house quick. Hi there, this is Maria calling in from Southern California in the Antelope Valley. The hometown legend that I wanted to share really quick was 
My dad grew up in Puebla, Mexico, where Nahuales, they're sort of these skinwalker, shapeshifter creatures. They're kind of well known there. And he always told me stories of how they would, I guess, make deals with the devil and just not be great people or things. And they would steal and rape women. And they weren't very nice, I suppose, of the creatures. And one day he was coming home, like, super just drunk, like, drunk, drunk. And it was Mexico, and it was late. And he was being followed by this massive, like, absolutely massive black wolf dog creature. And he knew that it was a Nahual because, I guess, on his mom's side, his brother was claimed or known to be one. And he just got home, and the thing followed him all the way. And once he got home, it was just dead silent and cold until he got home. Yeah, I thought it was very creepy, and I wonder how he knew who it was or how he didn't get scared. But at the same time, he was drunk, <laughs> so who knows. But I know he wasn't drunk enough to, like, make things up because he's seen plenty of them. But that was just one of them that he, like, really, like, got kind of spooked or, like, woke up a little bit more. And that's it. Just a quick little hometown legend of Nawales, where he lives. Um, it's said to be pretty filled with those kind of little creatures over there. And my mom never really took me over there because she had bad experiences with them as well. And yeah, thank you. Love the podcast. Wishing everybody happiness, safety, and well wishes to anybody who has lost somebody during these hard times. Thank you. Thank you, Maria. Yet another creepy entry out of Mexico. And I think each day I'm convinced more and more that that place is a gateway to another world or something. Wild UFO encounters, flying witches, tiny people, the list continues. And we thank you for your contribution, Maria. Well, welcome, squad. It's amazing to have you with us for this marathon of an episode. And just like in the main program, I have an amazing Hometown Legend episode slated for you here tonight. And since this episode is running extremely long, let's go ahead and slide back into the action. And we'll do so with D. Up in Idaho. Hey, Derek. I'm just going to go by D, and I'm in the state of Idaho. So this is actually my friend's story, and this is for Hometown Legends Season 14. This is uh, from Pocatello, Idaho. He was born and grew up there, and then he moved to Boise, where I met him. And he went to Pocatello High School, which, as some people might know, is one of the most haunted schools in the western United States. Just a little bit of backstory on Pocatello High School. It said that in the school pool, which is no longer there, as far as I know, a student drowned, and some people can see his spirit wandering around on the sides of the pools. Security guards from the school have said they've seen things on security cameras, and a lot of the school faculty has said they've seen spirits in the hallways and heard weird noises, as well as the students have said they've heard weird noises, and that's what my friend heard. Said it was kind of like the stereotypical ghost moaning noise, I guess, like, and uh, he also heard someone call his name from the locker rooms. And another creepy thing from around Pocatello, I believe it's called Crybaby Pools, and it's where allegedly, I don't know how true it is, Shoshone Native Americans would drown babies, and allegedly you can hear their cries there. I've been there, I've never heard anything paranormal there. I mean, I've heard coyotes, I've heard elk, but I've never heard crying children. But anyways, this is my friend's story. He was a basketball player and he was in the gym by himself. His coach left to go and find some other student that was supposed to be there. Probably left to go to the bathroom or something. And he was just in there shooting hoops by himself. And he could hear whispering in the locker room area. And he stop shooting he held the ball so it was quiet and he could still hear it and then he heard someone say his name from the locker rooms and 
immediately he was like, I'm not going to go and check that out. I know this school's haunted. So he went to try and find his coach and say, hey, I heard someone call my name from the locker rooms. Try and, you know, reason with it to say maybe it's that student you're looking for. And he got the coach, got him to come and figure it out. And he's never seen a spirit there, but he's heard disembodied voices, heard his name called. So, yeah, that's... uh, that's all that I have. I hope to call in with some more of my paranormal experiences uh, later, whenever I have the time. So, see ya. Thanks, D. Now, if Pocatello High School sounds familiar, that's probably because it is. Well, last year, Pocatello High School made national news when a security camera caught some unusual activity. Lights flickered on and off, and an image of something appears to walk in and out of a men's bathroom. A lot of what's seen in the video is up for interpretation, but at least one online publication put Pocatello High School on the top 10 list of haunted high schools in America. Now, paranormal investigators tour the halls. On your side's photojournalist Doug Locksmith has the story. The lights in this hallway started to flash on and off all of a sudden. People went back and reviewed the the security footage. There was a translucent figure that seemed to be walking through the halls going in and out of this bathroom. Everybody that comes in this building can have an experience and I think that was just one of them. Now that news clip courtesy of KIVI, KSAW, ABC News 6 out of Boise. Now throwing no shade here or whatever but I'm highly skeptical of the video that the school recorded back in December of 2014. I've provided a link in the show notes to a debunk video by a YouTube user called Ghostology. Now, if you watch it, you'll see why. It appears to me to be simply a piece of spider's web. Now, I've also linked to the entire security video as well. And I think they're all worth a look. So hit up the show notes and take a peek for yourself. And thanks again, Dee, for sharing the story. Now next up, we visit the back roads of the Hoosier State. Morgan, welcome to the show. Hi, my name is Morgan, and I'm from Indiana. First of all, I love your podcast. I listen to it at work constantly. But I actually have two hometown legend stories to provide you with. And they are stemming off one of your recent hometown episodes. And two of those stories were about Edna Collins Bridge in Putnam County and then the bridge in Avon. So I have actually been to both, but the Edna Collins story I'm going to tell you is one of my friends. So she and two of her girlfriends had gone to Edna Collins. This was probably 2016, 2017. They did everything you were supposed to do, turned the car off, turned off the lights of the car, honked three times. Uh, nothing had happened. So about 10, 15 minutes go by and they leave. On the way home, they had grabbed something to eat. Uh, They were on the way back to uh, her friend's house and were pulled over. And when they got pulled over, the police officer told them that the license plate of the car was missing. My friend says that beforehand, the license plate was 100% there and they have no idea how it would have gotten off. So they came to the conclusion that maybe the little girl had taken it. That's all I got for that one. As for the Avon Bridge, this is my story. So it was me, two of my girlfriends, and one of their boyfriends. We had gone to the bridge. Nowadays, they usually keep a gate by the railroad tracks so people can't get in. But we happened to get lucky and noticed that it was open. So we drove in. We sat there for probably 10 minutes. Nothing was really happening. We just kind of wanted to scope out the area. We stayed in the car. My friend had actually gotten out of the car at one point, and she was just kind of standing next to the door with the door open, looking around. I had heard a knocking sort of sound. I was in the back seat. I looked behind me, and through the 
back window, I saw an old man with a shovel. And I immediately yelled for my friend to get back in the car, drive, like, we gotta go. Either this guy is, I don't know, a landskeeper, something, or who knows what it could have been. We drive away. This was probably 3 o'clock in the morning. To leave the bridge, you have to drive under it again. So we looked around to see if any cars were coming, and we stopped because there was nothing on the way. We turned off the car. You're supposed to, I believe, clap three times and honk the horn three times. I don't quite remember. This was a couple years ago, probably three to four years ago. And we sat there for a minute, and every single one of us started to hear a knocking on the back of the car. We looked behind us. We looked beside us. There's nothing there. We just drive away at that point. When we got home, there were handprints across the entire car, on the side, on the hood of the car, on the back of the car. No idea where they came from. It was really crazy at the time, and I was probably 16, 17 at the time, so I was a little freaked out. Nowadays, I'm not super freaked out by the paranormal, but yeah, those are my stories for you. Thank you. Bye. Thank you, Morgan. You know, it sounds like Indiana has a serious hometown legend scene. And I kind of like it. And of course, I encourage folks to visit as many of these places as you possibly legally can. And when you do, you undoubtedly pass an old country corner market or tiny mom-and-pop gas station. If you do, do us all a favor and stop in. Buy a monster magnet or something if they have any souvenirs. Whatever represents the hometown legend that you're currently investigating. Or just buy a candy bar or a can of pop. Support these small businesses while you can. Because one day, you'll need them. And one day, they'll be gone. Anyway, off of my soapbox for now. And thanks again, Morgan, for sharing your entry. Now next on our list of eerie entries is Dan from the Garden State of New Jersey. Hi, Derek. This is Dan from New Jersey calling in with for your local legends segment. Not sure if we're going to have another one this year, but hoping you do this season. Calling in about a site in New Jersey near where I grew up, and this was in northwestern New Jersey. And the area is called Shadeland Road, and going through your backlog, I hadn't heard this one called in about, which is kind of surprising. But it's uh, located up in Warren County, New Jersey, and it's kind of tucked away back in, like, uh, ends up in kind of Alamuji Township up there. And it was actually on Sci-Fi um, in 2013 on their Haunted Highway show. Um, I've been up there a couple times. actually had a, a friend of mine's parent who, who lived up there, and, and nothing really ever happened as far as I knew at that house. Uh, it was a little creepy. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of trees on that road, which kind of gives it the name. I, I know the locals living on that road had to actually grease the, the street signs so that people didn't stop, had to stop stealing it. I mean, they replaced the actual sign itself with like one of those poles that's there so that people could stop stealing it. Um, just because there was so many stories around it, but generally there's a ton of stories on, the, on this road. You know, anybody looking can can see what it is. But the, but there's some main ones there. Generally along the, the southern part of the road, there's a lot of stories about former bandits that would that would hide away, highway went there, and, and they would kill people and you know rob people and all that. Uh, a couple murders there in the 20s and 30s. A lot of twists and turns on that road, causing uh, a lot of car accidents. Uh, there's also an area up there where there actually there was wildcats living there and supposedly would, would attack people along the road. Uh, so you do have some of your, you know, wildcat stories going on up there still. And then there's also Ghost Lake, which was on the Haunted Highway segment, as far as I remember. It's been a while. But they would see these kind of vapor formations there, which I believe were actually uh, debunked as being kind of a natural phenomenon, but they're creepy nonetheless. There's also Lenape Lane up there, which is, uh, there's a kind of a farmhouse there and, and all that. It's a kind of a just a creepy area. So generally, I, I mean, again, just a really a creepy road. Never really had an experience. I've been up there a few times, and not just to, to visit a friend, but, you know, my current wife, who was my girlfriend at the time, we went up there a couple times, and, you know, they ran into not really much going on, to be, to be honest with you. Um, we didn't do a lot of by-foot exploring, 
but we did go over the bridge that used to be there. It's still there, but you can only get there by foot now, which is one of those, you know, stop and honk your horn and you'll see some ghost kids kind of a thing. We saw a figure going in through the woods, but I, I can't guarantee what that was. A little creepy, but it was, it was large and, you know, bipedal, but can't really tell you exactly what it was. But other than that, you know, that's pretty much it. Hope, hope you can play this one, and thank you. Thanks, Dan. Indeed I am. I don't have any plans of stopping this hometown legend train. And besides, it's how we close out each and every season here in Monsters Among Us. It simply wouldn't be the same without it. And it's funny that he mentioned the sci-fi show Haunted Highway, seen as I referred to it back in the main portion of the program. Until this week, that's a show I hadn't thought about in a decade or so. So it sounds like a lot of activity that they're dealing with over in New Jersey. So we thank you, Dan, for sharing all that info here with us. Now, I think this next caller will sound instantly familiar because you just heard him back on the main feed. Now, this guy sends in an amazing Texas-sized legend each and every hometown legend episode, except for last season. Or at least so I thought. It turns out I just missed his entry, and I didn't find it until Hometown Legends 13 had already premiered. Believe it or not, it's difficult to keep track of all these submissions. They come flying in at all times from all different sources. Anyway, to play catch up with his calls, here's last year's hometown legend submission from Alan down in Texas. Hello, Derek. This is Alan from Texas, and this is for Hometown Legends. This is a story about what I guess you could call a ghost curse in the city of Gonzales, which is about 50 miles from where I live. Gonzales is one of the oldest cities in Texas, although it is still about 100 years younger than San Antonio. It was established in 1825 and played a pivotal part in Texas' war for independence. If you've ever seen a flag or a graphic showing a star, a cannon barrel, and the words, Come and take it, that came from Gonzales. The Mexican government had given the town a small cannon to use in defense against the natives, and when the government sent troops to take the cannon back, the townspeople refused and successfully fought the small band of Mexican soldiers off. And because of this, if you look the town up on Wikipedia, it says that it was the site of the first skirmish in the Texas Revolution, but this is not correct. There were several other skirmishes, as well as one major battle, known as the Battle of Medina, that happened several years before this. The Battle of Medina happened somewhere southwest of San Antonio, although at the present day the exact site of the battle is unknown, probably because it has been occupied by sand mining operations. Another thing that Wikipedia says about the city is that Gonzales has an exceptionally high concentration of historic houses and buildings. This is correct. There are many houses in Gonzales that are quite old, and even some of the municipal buildings that are still in use were built a hundred years ago or more. It seems to me that having a ghost in one's house is kind of a status symbol in Gonzales. My sister claims to have seen one in her mother-in-law's house many years ago. She and another person had gone there to look for something, I don't know exactly what, and my sister was searching through a cedar chest or something like that, and from the corner of her eye she saw someone standing in the doorway of the room, Thinking that it was the other person who had gone there with her, she said in a normal tone of voice, I still can't find it, or some, something like that. She heard the other person yell from another part of the house, What did you say? He had heard her voice, but he was too far away to make out what she said. So when she heard his voice coming from another part of the house, it startled her, and she looked up at the person in the doorway. And uh, when she tried to describe the person to me she said i think he was wearing buckskins and she saw him for only a second and then the person or whatever it was just vanished in an instant the house that my sister currently lives in was previously lived in by my mother uh, my mother and both my sisters and my niece all believe it to be haunted 
They call the ghost Little Boy because my mother claims she actually saw it once and it looked like a little boy. It usually manifests by strange sounds and sometimes misplaced items. But on to the main story, one of the municipal buildings that is very old but still in use is the Chamber of Commerce. It was originally the county jail, the city of Gonzales being the county seat of Gonzales County. It was built with one part of the second and third floors opened with no separating floor between them so that the opening goes all the way from the floor of the second floor to the ceiling of the third floor. It was built this way so there would be room for a gallows. The last man to be hanged in Gonzales was named Albert Howard, and he was hanged on March 18, 1921. He was convicted of rape, but right up until the instant of his death, he claimed to be innocent. From his cell inside the jail, he could see only two things. The gallows where he was doomed to die, and through the windows in the wall behind the gallows, he could see the cupola of the courthouse where he had been convicted. The cupola of the courthouse was built with four sides, each facing a cardinal direction, and each face bears a large clock that could be seen from a pretty good distance away. Through the window, Albert Howard could see the clock on the north face of the cupola taking away the minutes and hours until his death. Howard allegedly swore an oath and cursed that clock so that it would never keep time correctly again. Since the time of his death, it didn't. Repairs were attempted, parts were replaced. It never worked correctly again. None of the four faces of the clock ever showed the same time, and none of them ever showed the correct time. Eventually, the city gave up trying to make it work, and the mechanisms became rusted from disuse. So it never worked again, for a long time, anyway. Several years ago, I think sometime around the year 2000, the cupola was completely gutted, and a new clock was installed that used more modern technology. Since then, it has apparently worked fairly well. So, I guess Albert Howard's curse didn't extend to modern electronic technology, or maybe his curse just wore out with the passing of time. You can still go there. Besides housing the modern-day Chamber of Commerce, the old jail is also a museum and a historical tourist attraction. So you can actually go there and take a look at it if you want. Even if you can't go there, you can look up the Gonzales Chamber of Commerce on Google Maps and see some really good photos of the old jail, including a mock gallows that is sitting in the same spot as the real gallows that ended Albert Howard's life. If you do go there, you can look out the windows and see the clock on the cupola of the courthouse and check to see if it shows the correct time. If it happens to show the time of 7.15, when it is not actually that time of day, you'll know that Albert Howard's curse might still be in effect, since that was the exact time of day that he was hanged. So that's the story. Thanks for the great podcast, Derek. The Hometown Legends episodes are my favorites. Later. Thank you, per usual, Alan. And my apologies for missing that entry. But Alan's call brings up a very important question here. Can a curse wear out? Is there a time limit on its effectiveness? Is it plausible to believe that after a certain amount of time, the curse is no longer viable? I mean, time affects nearly everything, doesn't it? Well, like Alan said, this is another location that you can actually go and visit. The admission fee is two bucks, and they're open Wednesday through Sunday. And the link is in the show notes slash description for this post if you're curious. And I highly recommend that you are. And thanks again, Alan. Keep those tall Texas tales a-coming. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. Sometimes we reach a point in life when we don't know which way to go. It could be a crossroads in your career. Or maybe you're not happy with where you're living. Whatever the circumstance, getting to know yourself and your wants and needs can be a lifelong process. Especially because we're constantly growing and changing. But therapy can help you talk things through. Deepen your self-awareness. And understand what you really want in life. Or why you react to certain situations the way that you do. Now, I found that therapy has helped me understand myself on a much deeper level. And it's not only for people who have suffered trauma. 
It's for anyone who's on this roller coaster we call life. Now, therapy can help navigate the ups and downs and empower you to be the best version of yourself at all times. So, if you're thinking of giving therapy a try, BetterHelp is a great option. It's convenient, flexible, and affordable. And if for some reason you're not vibing with the therapist you're matched with, you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Now discover your potential with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com forward slash Monsters Among Us today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com forward slash Monsters Among Us. Now as always, supporting our sponsors supports the show. So thank you for listening. And back to that thing hovering over the house. We're nearly to the end of this joyride through the planet's spookiest and eeriest of locations. And where would this list be if we didn't include at least one haunted hotel? So here to fill that quota is Randy out of Canada. Hi, this is Randy calling from uh, Southern Alberta, Canada. Again, I've called a few times. I'm calling regarding... You haven't announced it yet, but your hometown legends show. Uh, I got a pretty good story from my hometown. I was raised in a small town called Lethbridge, Alberta, uh, two hours south of Calgary. Now, for the longest time, there was a hotel in Lethbridge called the Marquis Hotel. The Marquis Hotel, for a very long time, it was built in, I believe, the late 1800s, early 1900s. Um, It was the hotel in Lethbridge. It was very fancy for the time. And it was the place to be in it, a little mall with little shops inside of it. Uh, it was a very nice place. Now, what happened was, in the early 1900s, a man and a woman had rented one of the rooms. A woman was of uh, Aboriginal Native Canadian descent. And they rented the room. And about the middle of the night, some guests started complaining that there was screaming coming from the room. Now. The screaming was as in somebody was being assaulted, hurt. They didn't know what it was, but the, the screams were horrific. So everyone was calling down. When the staff got up to the room, they got to the door. Now, according to the legend, they got to the door. They could hear the woman screaming. They actually ended up kicking in the door. When they kicked in the door, the second the door opened, the screaming stopped. There was nobody in the room. Now, we're talking about a room that was on like the fourth floor. Like it was higher up. The window was closed, but again, according to the legend, there was blood all over the walls. People were never found. Uh, They didn't know what it was. Well, after this had happened, they started having some real problems with the room. They'd rent out that room. People would hear screaming. They'd be woken up in the middle of the night, seeing somebody standing at the end of the bed. So what ended up happening was they stopped actually renting out the room until one night, and I believe it was the late 60s. It was late night. There was a storm of some sort going on. And a gentleman came in and he, he needed a room and the person was new and didn't read, didn't know the stories. So he rented the last room of the night. So the gentleman went in, went to bed. Now what happened was he ended up waking up and he saw a native woman standing beside him, completely covered head to toe in blood. She was drenched in blood, just completely covered in blood, just staring at him. And the man freaked out and he bolted out of the room and ran to the end of the hall jumped into the elevator the second the elevator doors closed the man looked beside him and the woman was standing in the elevator with him just again staring at him now the front desk clerk was working and he could hear somebody screaming in the elevator so the clerk got some form of weapon and ran to the elevator to see what was happening when the doors opened the man jumped out sputtered out literally ran out of the place, left his stuff behind. He didn't come back for a few days, and they never rented the room out again. Now, unfortunately, modernization, Lethbridge is modernized. Uh, The Marquis fell into disrepair, and unfortunately, it was torn down, and a bank was built in its place. Now, I'm not exactly sure if there's any residual energy or haunting in the new bank that's there now, but I do know that that is one of the creepiest stories that I have ever heard. Thank you so much for the podcast. I love it so much. I listen to it uh, daily. I got really sad when I 
ran out of old episodes to watch, so now I actually have to wait every week for a new one. So hope you're having a, a great time, great day. I'm calling. This is Christmas, so hope you had a good Christmas and good holiday. Thanks again for everything. Take care and bye. Merry Christmas, Randy, and thanks for calling in. You know, that's the one thing about these haunted hotels. They all seem to have that one room, the one that thrill-seekers request and hotel staff stay out of after dark. That one room where tragedy struck. Well, next time you find yourself at a hotel, especially an older one, and one with a history, ask the staff if they have one of those rooms. And if you're brave, I think you know what to do. And thanks again, Randy, for sharing that entry. Well, folks, here comes the absolute last and final entry of Season 14. And it belongs to Jay from over in Maryland. Hey, Derek. You can just call me Jay. I'm calling from Maryland on a hometown legends call. Uh, this is a ABC call. I also wanted to let you know I ordered one of your shirts. It's very comfy. Thank you. So this happens in Harford County, Maryland. Uh, it's a personal experience and a little more research that I dug up. So the area is right nearby Harford Glen Park in Bel Air, Maryland. The area is also surrounded by many other state parks like Gunpowder State Park, Susquehanna State Park, and Rock State Park in the northern part of the county. So this specific area where my experience took place was nearby a lot of the woods near Winters Run Stream Bed and Atkinson Reservoir. Uh, at the time, there were many different farms nearby the area as well. I was around 15 years old. It was me and three other friends. Um, I did call one of my friends to confirm a lot of her details, which match up with a lot of mine. So we had snuck around the house um, around 12.30 p.m. to check out this new playground and park area that was built about a half mile down the road. It was a dark, human night with some lights from, from the moon and uh, street lamp light. So um, there was lit along the side and a little bit of lighting from the few houses on the left uh, in the woods that was uh, backed nearby some of the stream beds of Winter's Run when we had saw a huge black cat with a very long tail sprint out of the woods and the embankment on the right side. There's a gap in between the woods. There's a little bit of dirt around there and then the road. So when we had saw this thing, it was sprinting from the right side nearby one of the farms. It had leapt across the road from the embankment on the right and then landed on the left embankment and then pounced again into the woods, which we had then had froze, looked at each other like, what did we just see? We were just quiet, just listening, just uh, hearing it. Is this thing through nearby? Are we safe? And then we had like sprinted across the road after we didn't hear anything for a while. Just checked out the playground. Wasn't even really, you know. <laughs> fun at all we were just terrifying on the way back too but we wanted to give it some time but we just always you know put it down to making jokes about it like a, some cat got its hands on some steroids and was eating all these deer and farm animals but whatever so fast forward to today i heard your podcast so I was very interested in what you and a lot of other people had seemed to report. So I wanted to wait a little bit, dig up some research. So a lot of the different stories I found were very interesting because all the way back in October 20th of 1966, which oddly enough, this happens uh, right before all the Mothman sightings south of us. But uh, anyways, there was a dead pony found and it was mutilated and there was also a calf that was partially eaten and dragged a good distance away that was found in harford county maryland which then led to dozens of reports of sightings near the area to the wildlife officials and the police department so this led to a 250 man search party joined by the baltimore zoo which had then confirmed they were cougar tracks and it was a giant hunt 
try to find whatever was killing all these different animals in the area. Uh, nothing ever really happened, and plus you don't <laughs> really want a bunch of people in the woods with guns possibly you know, shooting at each other or killing off a bunch of wildlife. So they call that off real quick. And fast forward to 92, 93, a bunch of other sightings, nothing concrete. And then around 2000 through 2002, a little background info, there was a severe drought in central Maryland in 99 and 2001. So this kicked off a flurry of sightings. I'm not going to go through them all, but I'm just going to go through the ones that are close by to me. There were a lot of different sightings of black cats right in the Bel Air area right nearby where we were through 2000, 2001, and 2002. But not just Bel Air, but Abingdon, Jarrettsville, and Falston, which is all the surrounding areas where we were nearby as well. But the more interesting ones were stories of um, pet goats being killed and dragged away nearby the Susquehanna River. Jarrettsville Wildlife Rehabilitator found a den with kittens, but did not disclose the location due to hunters. And then um, a pilot flying into the airport had witnessed a big cat chasing a deer when he was flying in. And then also right in that same area was where in Deer Creek, Maryland, goat ripped to shreds and screams heard from the woods. About two years later, a neighbor had called in to a California cat biologist who confirmed that what she was describing were cougar sounds. But a lot of this research was done by researcher Chad Arment with the North American Bio 14 Review. And then Susan Keller um, with ALPF uh, Medical Research had done a lot of good research as well. Um, but some of this was done by John and Linda Lutz from Eastern Puma Network News. There was about 615 reports through 83 and 89. 135 of those were from Maryland. And then Pennsylvania and West Virginia, of course, they were in that area already. But 44% of them were mutual witnesses, 27% of them were hunters, and 37% of them were black. Um, so I thought that was interesting. And then I also just wanted to make a side note. My mother uh, lives in Falston, and she had mentioned a hyena digging up something near the roots of the trees in the backyard which had matched along with a western maryland call about a hyena as well but anyways just wanted to share that with you i hope you like the story and uh, i'll send you the links of the research as well because it's very interesting um but thank you bye thanks jay and thank you for picking up a t-shirt we certainly appreciate it and thanks jay for doing all the legwork in this call that's quite a list of encounters you've compiled. And having witnessed one of these beasts myself, I can say with utmost certainty, something is slinking around out there. And although this next video was taken on the western end of the state of Maryland, the opposite of Jay's, it was, however, recorded in the same state. If you think for one second that seeing one of these in the wild wouldn't shake you. Just listen to the fear in this witness's voice as he describes what he's looking at. Over right off Valley Road here, there's a black panther in the woods. Right here in the field. It ain't no cat, it's a black panther. And I'm not playing. There it is. Right off Valley Road, right at the city-county line. You can see the big long tail on it. That ain't a little cat. For all the people that say they don't exist. There they are, right? There's one right there. Now the video was uploaded by YouTube user DakMac7154 and seems to show a large black feline tromping through the forest. Though I must say, it looks very housecatish to me, especially when it does its little jump. So I'll go ahead and take a look at the video and decide for yourself. Any big thanks, Jay, again, for calling in with all that info. Well, folks, that's going to do it for this bonus content and for the season 14 finale. And I can't thank you enough for all of the continued support. It was truly a pleasure to 
scare you these past four months or so. And I honestly hope you got as much fun out of it as I did. Now it's time for me to do something fun for myself. Something off schedule for a spell. But I'll be back before you know it. And I might even sneak out a Beyond episode somewhere in the break. I'll just miss you all that much. But until then... Monsters Among Us Beyond is written and produced by me, Derek Hayes. Additional support is provided by Sarah Carter Hayes and Addie Lloyd. All media used in this production is done so under the protection of fair use. And the terrifying score you heard this evening was Iron Cthulhu Apocalypse, Co.ag Music, and Carl Casey at White Bat Audio. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for continuing to support this program. Stay safe out there. And above all else, keep it spooky. Y'all have a good night. You all deserve a secret story. I think you've earned it. So please join me in welcoming Samuel out of the state of Pennsylvania. Hey there, Derek. Uh, This is Samuel here. I'm calling in again. Love the podcast. Absolutely look forward to it every single week. And I'm I'm all caught up now. Anyway, uh, so this is for the Hometown Legends show. And this one is back in Pennsylvania as well. This is about Sandy Flash, the legend of Sandy Flash. And Sandy Flash was a highwayman active during the Revolutionary War who kind of gained this notoriety as a sort of Robin Hood type figure. But he was nothing less than a robber, you know, whatever have you. And I believe he was finally tracked down at Square Tavern, which I believe is somewhere in Chester County or was at one point. I don't believe it's there anymore. But where my mother and I used to volunteer and reenact at the Colonial Plantation on Sandy Flash Drive, it is rumored that you can see Sandy Flash's ghost riding at night sometimes. And people have often reported hearing, you know, a galloping horse or seeing a man on horseback in 18th century attire And interestingly enough, his death warrant was signed by none other than Benjamin Franklin. And I guess when he was hung, his toes hit the ground and the hangman had to, uh, you know, get on his shoulders and, you know, finish the deed. Anyway, I've never experienced anything to the effect of Sandy Flash, but thank you. And I hope you can use this one or, you know, find out a little bit more about it because it's still a bit of a mystery to me as well. All right. Thank you, Derek. Love you. Sandy Flash. Sometimes I wonder if these villainous historical figures aren't still in our subconscious simply because of how terrible they were when they were living and not because of contemporary paranormal run-ins. A classic example of someone's reputation preceding them. Well, these myths, legends, ghost stories, what have you, they may just be residual fear manifesting in story form. And they only persist because of the emotional effect they have on people, even hundreds of years into the future. Or, you know, maybe Sandy Flash is out there, his horse at full gallop, his saber drawn, waiting for the next unexpected victim. Thanks again, Samuel, for sharing your entry. And thank you again, dear listener, for tuning in. Have a good night.